for us your mercy, your truth, and your love. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for the opportunity to receive your word, to receive the fullness of your word, to be blessed by your word. With everything that is in us, Lord, we praise you. All that is within us, praise your holy name. Amen. And we thank you for that opportunity to lift that praise up to you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and praise God. So we're at the end of our uh, Prophetic People, Volume 2. Gee, I wish I had a Volume 3 handy. To... <laughs> but we'll start a new book uh, next time. I'm not sure exactly which which direction we'll go, but it'll be a good foundational teaching for us. And so we'll be able to plow through all of our, our good stuff that we have. And uh, <clears throat> so we'll do that. But uh, on page 68 is where we begin. And we're talking about musical prophets, okay? Musical prophets, not musicians, but musical prophets. Now, there are prophets that are full-time musicians, as we call it, or, or in the ministry on a full-time basis. One of the uh, opportunities that people have when they're in music is to always get more creative and inspired in their uh, music and their songs and so forth and so on. And so the prophet's office comes with revelation and inspiration to inspire the music that is played uh, by the musicians. And also there are some prophets that we call musical prophets because they are very much given over to music and very much given over to um, the word of God. And they're able to compose inspired songs. They're able to uh, play musical instruments. Um, there are, uh, when we think about musical prophets, we uh, think about, sometimes when the uh, prophets, I'm trying to think it was Saul that was uh, uh, with the prophets and began to prophesy with them. And there were some musicians in that company. And so they were referred to as musical prophets because they played instruments. But there are musical prophets who are given over to creating music that don't play instruments. So that doesn't negate one or include another one. I'm just letting you know that. But when we talk about it, the musical prophet is somebody who has skill in playing uh, and also skill in the word. And so we think about David as being the prime example of that type of prophet. Uh, uh, if some of you who remember Brenda Zedlitz, uh, I would call her a musical prophet because she had great command of uh, the atmosphere. She had a five-fold command of the atmosphere uh, as a prophet and, and also as a musician. And so people like that who have, have both giftings, have a five-fold gifting and uh, a musical gift, we refer to, if they stand in the office of prophet, we uh, refer to them as musical prophets. Um, there are people who pray, who can play prophetically under the anointing of a prophet. You got me? So when they're in a house where a prophet is in residence, see, the ministry gift office determines the type of anointing that we've talked about this before, but I like to reiterate it <clears throat> because it bears repeating the office that the person 
in charge, so to speak, or who calls the meeting, stands in, determines the atmosphere that's set in that meeting. And so if a prophet is in charge or calls the meeting, then that, that office sets the atmosphere uh, for that meeting, not just the office, but then the uh, gifting that that person carries controls the atmosphere as well. And so when that atmosphere is set like that, it's, it's set for certain things to be allowed to happen in that atmosphere. And so when that atmosphere is set like that, then people who come in under that authority and obey the leadership can flow in that anointing just like they own it themselves. Uh, the problem comes when people step out from under it and think they own it and then they get in another atmosphere and they find they don't. So there are some people who have what I call a five-fold authority in the realm of the spirit and they can pick them up and carry them. And that's a good thing because that's why a lot of times, you know, you'll hear some ministers that'll come to our meetings and they'll say, well, I just feel like I'm among friends. I'm a, it's a free atmosphere. And then they, they understand that they can preach freely and it's, it's not restricted. They don't have to fight the atmosphere to try and get their message across. And that's the best kind of atmosphere you want to provide. Now that comes from many things that comes from different Prices that are paid that comes from our prayer that we pray on a continual basis provides that atmosphere. It's the personal life and integrity of the minister. You know, not that I'm all that, but I obey God. See, that's all it takes is obedience to God and be sincere, you know, about your obedience and so forth. And always striving to attain. I'm never satisfied, see, with where it's at or where, you know, it's been or whatever, but we, we keep pressing, you see. There's more, there's more people to minister to. There's more people to get healed. There's more people. So I'm, I'm concerned more about quality and whether the word comes to pass than just mere numbers, you got me? And so we can have a quality meeting where people can come in and feel safe like if somebody calls them up for prayer and they lay hands on them, they'll be okay. There's some places you don't want nobody to touch you. You wish they didn't talk to you and you're scared the whole time you're there. I've been in meetings like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Somebody you heard about was all that and you thought you were really going to get something when you went there and you found that there was a place out of order. I've had other prophets come to our meetings and say, well, I just really wish I could get what you have here. And, and you know, they try to figure out what it is not about figuring it's about. And see, these are people who are, are accomplished in their own way. You know, we all want to mooch something off of each other. And so I, I said, I wish I had some of what you got too. You know, let's, you know, mix it all up here. But when you come together, then that makes a, a good atmosphere for God to be free to do what he wants to do to help people. That's what you're here for as a minister. You're here for that atmosphere to help people. And the musical prophets help set the tone and help bring people, uh, bring their spirits into a, le a, a sense of liberty that you don't have without that. 
See, there comes a freedom to your spirit where you don't have to wonder if God is going to help. You don't have to wonder if that situation that you're concerned about is going to get better or the word coming. You don't have to wonder about these things. And so that's what we want to do. Bring liberty, clarity, bring the word, bring, bring, bring people to understand that they can receive the word, uh, that that word is easy to receive and that it it takes a struggle out of things see there's 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 uh you know kind of like traditions that make us feel like it's so hard to get god to do something you know it's so hard to do it's hard and and it just takes commitment i think that's probably one of the most difficult things is to get people to see that commitment will pay off. You know, you see that in the world. Nobody wants to commit to anything in the world. You know, they don't want to commit to parenting, marriage, anything like that. They want to commit to a job. They don't want to, you know, just want to, as long as it's serving me and I feel good about it, I'm here, but then let's run off and do something else, you know, later. And so commitment is a very strong part of anything that God's involved in. Why? Because when we commit, we're like him. He's committed. See, he's determined. He's going to see to it that these things come to pass. And so that's got to be conveyed in an atmosphere where God's people gather. They've got to feel safe. They've got to feel secure. They've got to feel enriched. They've got to feel that something's imparted to them. And part of the prophet's ministry is to secure that atmosphere so that all of the things God wants to have happen can happen. Got me? So we're more concerned about atmosphere than we are concerned about pretty much anything else. We know if the atmosphere is right, then, you know, God can come in and do anything he wants to do. And that's what we're very sensitive to. And we don't like it when the atmosphere is not right. Now, we don't have to fight. You know, like some people say, well, I had to fight through that and fight through that. To No, you don't. You just have to know your authority, take it. You've got to wait for God to give you that word of knowledge that tells you what it takes to straighten that out and get it straight. See, you don't have to go through all of that struggle, so forth and so on. The other thing, too, is that the, the atmosphere is always under the person that has the strongest control in the spirit. And what do I mean by that? The strongest control in the spirit. Well, say, for instance, I had a meeting and Brother Cirillo was one of the speakers. Now, who do you think has the strongest control in the spirit? And that's no, no reflection on either one of us. But this gentleman has preached in different places, preached in different atmospheres, and has successful meetings everywhere he goes. So who do you think has the greatest control? So then I would yield to him. I wouldn't try and fight what his agenda would be. As a matter of fact, I would probably use him to verify things that are going on in the meeting. See, that's a nice comfort to have, folks. You know, somebody that really knows their way around in the things of God and you have the, the pleasure of working in a meeting with them, then you can 
ascend to a higher level, you can get an impartation of what they carry because then you can use that individual to verify things that are going on in the spirit. And also you can release the authority of the meeting to them so that to, to bring in greater anointing. So I wish preachers weren't so afraid to minister together, you know, and be together with one another in meetings, so forth and so on. You know, we tend to want to get up. When we get up, you get up after somebody, you hear your whole sermon corrected and preached over again sometimes, you know. So, so that's light fighting light. But if we can combine these things and get it to flow properly, then we can have real productive things in God. And so really, the prophet comes to ensure success in a meeting. See, we want to ensure the success of a meeting. Now, one of the things that music does is it tends to get everybody on one accord so that the work of the ministry can get done. So musical prophets have a a strong pull to pull everybody in on one accord in the meeting. They do it through music. Prophets that aren't musical will do it in different ways. You know, we do it a lot of times with our words and through prayer and taking authority and and pulling everybody in to obedience to the will of God. You know, you can do that in a meeting. I can't do that in your house or out on the streets or any place like that. But in a meeting, we can pull people in together into obedience to the flow of the spirit. And so it just depends on where, where that person feels God wants the meeting to go where it's going to go. But when you use music to do it, it's an easy way and it's an accepted way of pulling everybody in on one accord. So it says here, the prophet himself may deliver the song of the Lord. Okay, so we've seen that. He may or may not play a musical instrument. If he does, he becomes his own minstrel. So there are prophets that don't need, say like an accompaniment, to allow them to be able to minister the word of the Lord. Sometimes they do, but they can become their own minstrel if they will use that gift and that ability to flow and pick up the word of the Lord when God wants to deliver that out. And so when they do that, then they have no need of a minstrel to do that job for them. They can do that. Now, musical prophets who don't play an instrument can pick up tunes, words, songs, all that kind of stuff without having an instrument. But they know that an instrument will help the atmosphere because they're not like in it alone. You got me? So the music comes in to engage everybody else and pull everybody else under that word and under the authority of that word. And it greatly helps... Uh, when people are, are you know, music kind of tends to disarm people. You know, you've heard musicians who really think about it and, and really, you know, the little more sober ones, I guess, that are, all their brain cells aren't blown out on some drug or the other. But, you know, some of them can get very perceptive about what they, they are doing when they're ministering that way. And m- music does have the ability to speak across cultures, it speaks across, it tends to break down barriers, it disarms people, it takes your defenses away from you. 
So as where you didn't like this person when you were outside, now all of a sudden you're listening, enjoying the same music, et cetera, et cetera. So it tends to bring people in in a, 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 a kind of a sense of I'm abandoning all of my prejudices, all of my forethoughts, all my dislikes, all my attitude, all of that. And if the music is uplifting enough, it will put people in a better mood. Usually people know that after worship is over, you know, all of the ghosts and goblins that usually hang around you can't hang around anymore. You know, you can got to get out from under that and get over it. And, and music where the secular or uh, 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 Holy Ghost music will do the same thing to a degree. Secular music will do it, elevate your mood to a degree. Uh, uh, Holy Ghost music will change your spirit. It will, it will get your spirit to the place where it's corrected, adjusted correctly. Uh, deliverance will come that way. There's all kinds of things that will come in music if we'll allow that to happen. And so when, when we talk about musical prophets, these are people who are skilled in being directed by the Spirit of God in what they play and what they say. And that's what we want. We want people who are skilled, know their kind of like know their way around in the Spirit, and know how to be directed by the Spirit in these things. Now, people can grow in this and grow in this ability under the anointing. Um, for instance, when we first started having the conferences, uh, does anybody remember when we had, I know Chuck does, but when we had him at Pastor Tony's church, his old church where Chuck fell through the floor, you know, they were doing some renovation in the church and poor Chuck's her foot fell through the floor and Tony had, oh, Lord, you point at the scar, Chuck. Oh, Lord, have mercy. After how many, 20 years? But at that time, if you remember correctly, Pastor Tony did what we did, congregational praise and worship when we got started. And then Brenda took over and did the prophetic praise and worship. Because, you know, people do what, uh, what their faith allows them to do. And so he wasn't as attuned to prophetic as he is now. So now you can see he's very, and he just was under that. And so he was picking up, your spirit is able to pick up and rehearse things that you never could do just in your mind. Your head is no match for the mind of your spirit. Absolutely no. Your carnal brain can't handle it. Yep. And so you have to just allow God and yielding to God. And that's the, the amazing thing, that if you're yielding to God and keeping the right spiritual atmosphere about yourself, keeping a right awareness of things in the spirit, don't get bored when you're in the conference. Don't get restless when you're in there because you never know when something's going to come. You know, people used to say things like this, the anointing is more easily caught than taught. You've got to be under it to get it, so to speak. It has to be imparted to you. That's what they mean by caught than taught. So, they, you know, the older people, uh, Pentecostal people, studied these things, and they understood how these things happened. When they found people in the congregation who were anointed, they, started, they, they began to perceive that they had to give these people a little more freedom because God had touched them. Amen. 
you know, it, that kind of thing. So these things are, are a part of our history as believers. They're part of what we know happens uh, when, when God begins to move and God begins to stir things up. Prophetic anointing in the musical realm has the power to deliver, has the power to heal, has the power to do amazing things, whatever God decides he wants to bless the people with. Uh, it's, it's all possible, and you get that understanding that it's all possible, and you get a, a, um, a sense of a greater well-being. You have a sense of accomplishment of something. You have a sense that this wasn't just another meeting. You didn't have to, uh, you know, slog through it. You know, we we had our conference, and I'll just share this with somebody who was at another conference in the city at the same time we had it back in July. And uh, when they came over, they said, oh, girl, I'm so glad to be over here. I was over there, and I got a headache, and brother so-and-so preached. We had four preachers preach. Now, I've been in meetings where I've had four preachers preach. Did not bother me one bit. We went in there, and the sun was going, going uh down when we went in was coming up when we got out it was five o'clock in the morning and but there was such a weight and heaviness in there you didn't want to leave and nobody went to sleep babies was awake everybody was awake babies didn't cry and make noise and try to over preach the preacher you know and so it, it was one of those times where you knew the power of God was manifesting <clears throat> in such a way that it was you didn't stop it you got me. You didn't say, well, it's time or do something stupid like that. People who are time conscious are never going to get much out of God. I'll tell you right now. You've got to, you've got to surrender. When we say, I surrender, holding nothing back, you're going to have to do that. If, I mean, he's God, folks. You don't piecemeal him and give him a little corner here and a little something. He just look at you and, you know, just go on to the person that really wants him. So we have to understand that. So, and prophets are very, they're sticklers for that. You know, when we start on something, we just beat it to death, so to speak. You know, it's this, you ain't dead yet. I killed you last week. There you, you understand what I'm saying? We just, some things are like that important because you know they're important to God. And so <clears throat> when you, you have a musical prophet, He'll deliver the song of the Lord himself in singing. We say canting, and it, but, you know, carrying as much melody as you can. And then there's some who are musical that play instruments and some that are very accomplished singers and, and have very, very good singing voices. And so the, it runs the gamut, folks. If he, if he plays this musical instrument, he can become his own minstrel. If he finds that he can't find the, the word of the Lord or the song of the Lord playing himself, he can call another musical prophet or another minstrel to, to find that tune or find that chord or find that song for himself. So David was this kind of a minstrel. He was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. Man, that was in 2 Samuel 23.1. <clears throat> that was during the time that David was uh, dying. He was, uh, that was his eulogy. That was part of his eulogy. He sang and wrote the Psalms, which were stirred by his gift as a minstrel. So he was a minstrel, definitely a psalmist, because of the Psalms that he wrote. We have evidence of that. He was a prophet, and he was a king. 
He was a priest at times, but he did not stand in that office very often. So you'll see under the old covenant, you'll see the gamut. You'll see these uh, all-purpose kind of prophets that can do a little bit of everything. And then you'll see some who are, are just, just flow in the, the uh, preached word. And so there, it just depends on how God wants to position them and how God wants to use them. Deborah was a prophetess, but she was very strong as a counselor and especially as a military counselor. So there are some prophets that study war more than others do. And they, they can, they can uh, counsel kings and counsel leaders on strategies of war. So the musical prophets... He sang and wrote the psalms which were stirred by his gift as minstrel. They are considered scripture because they were the words of God, okay, at that time. This is not to say that the gift of prophecy in this age has the same weight as scripture. So please don't get that confused. The Bible that we have now is a closed book. The revelation that, that is what we call the canon of scripture is a closed book. In Revelations, it warns you not to add to or take anything away from this book. So you have to be careful with your exaggerating and evangelizing. Amen? <laughs> Absolutely. And so you can't add to it or take away from it. Prophecy must always be judged or measured against the Bible that is the written word of God. Now, musical prophets can often uh, be used to bring uh, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, and gifts of deliverance into an atmosphere. And that's the great part about that gift. See, it's, there's a purpose to it. It's not just music for the sake of music. There's a, a purpose to it. There's an end result that we're looking for when we start in on the music or the song of the Lord. You want it to, uh, number one, edify, encourage, uh, build up. Sometimes it has to tear down some things that are not correct. It'll bring correction sometimes. And, and there are things that are done that can bring clarity to the minds of the people in the atmosphere, and it also brings strength to that atmosphere. So if it brings clarity and it brings strength to the atmosphere, then it is ministry and it is ministering to the hearts and the minds of the people. So if you think about some of the, the prophetic words or words, songs of the Lord that we've heard, we've had recently, uh, you can see that they come, there's, there's a, a minstrel anointing there to help people to come to a higher level of faith in God. Uh, for instance, uh, the abundance of rain, you know, when the economy was so bad and the auto industry in Detroit, you know, it kind of hit the skids and, and GM needed a bailout and all that kind of stuff. Well, God knows when people come into a meeting that they're concerned about getting laid off from their jobs or, you know, they need a word from him that's going to bring them hope and encouragement so that they don't give up. So you'll tap into that mind of God. And see, he's wiser than any preacher who thinks they know what the people need. You got me? So this is, to me, where prophecy comes first. It comes ahead of any other message. It comes ahead of any other preaching. It comes ahead of that because now we have the mind of God for the needs of the people that he sent here he knew who he was sending before they got here. Mm -hmm. 
And he knew who would show up and what burdens they would carry. And so then prophecy and the song of the Lord must take precedence over anything else. If we don't get to the message, if we don't get to the next thing, let's just stop right here and see what God wants to say. And so that's why the word of the Lord and the song of the Lord are important to set atmospheres and meetings because here we finally tapped into what God wants to do. And we're, we're parking right here for a season to see how God's going to use this to minister to people. And so that's one of the blessings of that gift in the song of the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, if you'll turn there, there's a good example of the <clears throat> gifts of healing and deliverance coming through a musical prophet, through a prophet who knows how to minister. In 1 Samuel 18... Verse 6, it came to pass as they came, talking about David and, and Jonathan, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet uh, King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Amen. And so it says Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. So he didn't like the lady's song. If they'd have stopped with thousands, Saul and his thousands, he'd have been cool with it. But then when David was was higher than he was in their eyes, he was angry. You see now how insecure can you be as a king? Come on now. I think about how small you would have to be in your own thinking to get upset about that. I mean, that's public opinion. Tomorrow, Saul will be everything. All Saul got to do is send everybody a piece of bread in a, a pork chop tonight, and then Saul will be the top man in the morning. You got me? So why would you let public opinion sway you that easily? But see, Saul had come into disfavor with, with God, and this was just no, another feather in the cap of, of reminding himself that he's easily replaced, you see, easily replaced. And so it displeased him with that they ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? So now he's suspicious of David. And Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. Now he's losing his mind a little bit. And David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will kill David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence and so forth and so on. Now in times past when David, when that evil spirit had come upon Saul, David would play and the evil spirit would leave him. And so sometimes your deliverance will depend on relationship with other people. In fact, it very much depends on relationship with other people. Remember in, uh, when uh, Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus and the people who were standing by when Lazarus began to come up out of the grave with those bound in the grave clothes that he was buried in, Jesus told the people standing by to loose him and let him go. See, that's a function of the body of Christ toward one another. 
we have delivering power in the New Testament toward one another. Now, under the old covenant, it was certain select people at different times. But that is a function of the body of Christ, is to deliver one another. For instance, if you are come in and you're murmuring and you're complaining and you're grumbling about what a rough time you had and somebody next to you says, well, let's just do some praise and worship, you know, and, and trust God for that. And, you know, that's a deliverance. You got me. Somebody has helped you get beyond being stuck in a rut where you came in and they've moved you forward. Sometimes people can say something to you that they don't even don't even think about hardly. But they're, they're hearing from God, and by the Spirit of God, they give you a word that encourages you and lifts you up and lifts that thing off of you. So the body of Christ is very, very important that we function as a body. You know, it's things you don't even think about. You don't come in here and think about, well, I'm somebody's deliverance. You know, you need to come in and think about how you're going to get better. That's usually what we try to do. You come, we come in here limping. And we're totally shocked that we were able to help somebody in the condition we were in. Amen. And so many times we are our brother's deliverance. And by the same token, you can be somebody's bondage. You got me? And so you have to be careful about that. Because if somebody comes in and, and you know, is down and, and it just depends on who they talk to. You know, it's kind of like, well, sister, listen, let me tell you what happened to me. And let's go out and shoot us somebody at noon, you know. And so we have to be careful that we can can respond to God in the right way. You know, always be sober in your mind so that God can help you to deliver a word that's going to help somebody in their time of need. So you want to give the appropriate response no matter what. And it's amazing sometimes we can we all have that power. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be uh super spiritual person or super mature or you know all that you know somebody who's thought of as all that and you can just be you and be sober in your mind and God will use you to help somebody to get through their difficult times all right so our next session is let the instruments prophesy so God can speak through musical instruments man has always used instruments to send messages Horns have been used as alarms or warning instruments, and drums have been used in, in tribal cultures to send messages. In prophetic worship, instruments can actually sound out a message that can be interpreted by the prophet. Now, many this happens many times, but it will come into our meetings more as a song of the Lord. You got me? Um, <clears throat> for instance, if, uh, you know, if... if Bishop Russell will start to play a certain chord or God may tell me to tell him to play something ahead of time, you know, and, and uh, then I, I give it to Nola. She gives it to little Howard and I sit there nervous wondering when is little Howard going to get up for, you understand what I'm saying? It's just, a, it's just a bad scene sometimes, but it's, it's pressing, it's pressing me to be able to find out what that is that God wants to say, and the only way I'll find it out is if he plays it. You got me? And so then you have to have faith and confidence that as they play, God will begin to reveal to you what it is that he wants to say. It happens rarely that, that I can't hear what God wants to, to have said. 
You got me? But that can happen too. And we just had some nice music. I hope y'all enjoyed it. And so that's, that's the way that goes. But more often than not, there is a message. If God begins to stir a message on the inside of the prophet, if they'll continue in that flow. And if that anointing can pick up to the point where the rest of that message comes in, then you have the song of the Lord, or it may just come as a spoken prophecy. And so when you, you start understanding how the prophetic flow goes, you'll understand that you have to have a way to get the meeting set on the tone that God wants it. See, I seldom have people, sometimes people will ask me, well, what do you want me to minister on? I say, well, I hope you can find out once you get in there, you know. Or if it's somebody who's a teacher, you know, we've had a handful of teachers that come in and they want to know ahead of time what what they're going to or what would be permissible or if I had something in mind. But generally what we do is we use the theme of the meeting. If I can get a theme for the meeting, then the theme sets them in a mindset for where they're meditating on it and they want to come up with something that's fitting for the theme. And so, but for the most part, the prophecy that comes forth lets us know where God's headed and lets us know what God wants to do. So that's why it's very important to have that. Other than that, we could have a nice teaching meeting. We could have a nice meeting where people can come in and get blessed, but we won't have the true prophetic meeting that I know is possible. See, there are a lot of people doing good teaching meetings. But if we're called to have prophetic meetings, then we're called to do something different. And it's something that you need to know that God wants this done and wants this said right here, right now. So the interpretation may come in the form of a spoken message. This method of God speaking words <clears throat> in a manner similar to tongues is, is uh, in a manner similar to tongues and interpretation. So really the instrument is like the tongue and then the message that the prophet gets is the interpretation. So you can have instrument in interpretation. You can have tongues in interpretation. Uh, you can have um, visions in interpretation. You can have dreams in interpretation. So it's good if you get a message that you kind of feel is unusual or you feel stands out to you, check with God for the interpretation of it. Sometimes he will give the interpretation through another vessel. And so we have to realize that God will speak to us in many, many different ways. Uh, this music is just one way that he speaks. So a musician under the influence of the prophet's anointing may play an inspired song on tune or find a tune or chord that touches heaven. So you can do it both ways. For instance, you can start with a familiar song and then you allow the musicians to have freedom to uh, what people in the world call improvisation. That means that whatever they hear in their own hearing, they play that. And so it's called prophetic playing when you're in the house of God. And so we believe that the Holy Spirit inspires what they play if they will tune themselves in and, and tune in to listen to it. Uh, it's good when people humble themselves. Uh, musicians really have to be humble to learn how to flow that way because everybody's always afraid of playing something wrong or something that people won't enjoy or something that doesn't sound right or might throw everybody off. And so you have to have confidence that God is inspiring you and he will, if you hear wrong, he'll pull you back 
onto the right track. We've had a couple of people that just got so flustered, you know, and just couldn't do it. You know, they couldn't hang with the spirit and, and play prophetically. And so they get nervous and they pray under their breath and all this kind of stuff, trying to work their way into something that was being given freely from heaven. And so you have to, I, I would say this, you do have to humble yourself. You do have to be submitted to whoever's in authority because there are some people that just don't want somebody coming up saying something to them while they're playing. You know, we've had people like that, that they wanted to shrug it off or get embarrassed if I were to, to give them a song that I wanted them to include because we wanted to flow uh, prophetically. And so it, it takes, some, takes some maneuvering, folks. It, this isn't easy. It's not the easiest thing to do. You kind of got to work with people, and you have to be a forgiving person, uh, and you got to learn how to get people under that, that anointing is getting easier the longer we're at it. But there was a, a time where we, we'd have musicians, you know, manifest and you got to cast devils out people getting ready to play music. And, you know, I remember <laughs> Bishop Russell cornered some guy, we were going to get ready to play and he was all obnoxious and, you know, wanted to, he wanted to practice and we were having prayer. And he got belligerent about it and started manifesting and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so he eventually stopped. But before we went further, and this wasn't past, this was years ago when we were at Bishop Russell's church. And uh, so Pastor Tony took him over in the corner and jacked him up some kind of way. But he was straight when he brought him up out of there. You know, he just, you know, he let him know, you don't have to be here. You don't have to do this. If you're going to cooperate, we'll work with you. But if not, you know, it's that kind of thing. So you really have to know how to uh, bring these souls under authority. Because when you start inviting people and, you know, musicians kind of run in groups sometimes. And, well, I found a buddy of mine who can do this and he's going to come. And, you know, oh, okay, fine. And you're praying all the time, Lord, please don't let this be a devil, you know. And oftentimes they were. So, but we're still here, right? And we're still, don't let it stop you from doing you know, and pursuing the excellence that God has for you. You know, you can't let that let it stop you uh, from doing those things because if you do, you you won't lock into the good thing that God has for you. So anyway, so here's an example about a meeting I was in the National Day of Prayer. That's probably been, I know I was living in Detroit at the time, so that's been about 12 or 15 years ago. It says, I was asked to give a brief exhortation on a topic outlined by the organizer of the event. I spoke on the topic for about five minutes, and there were several persons participating in the event. I returned to my seat. As I returned to my seat and the pastor asked his son to play the piano as the meeting was ending. As the young man played, my spirit was stirred and God began to give me the interpretation of the message he had given through the piano. And so and this will happen oftentimes. Meetings will shift under the prophet's anointing, you see, because I was the last one to speak. And so if if I stand in the office of prophet, that anointing now is lingering in the house. And so God wants to finish in that office what was started. You got me? And so and that's that's very, very common. Uh, I call it whatever is the dominant anointing will dominate once that it gets in there. And so I think it's good to not try and cut things off, not try to short circuit things, not try to 
whatever, whatever. Don't try to control everything. And so, uh, and so I asked the pastor if I could have the freedom to interpret the message. Now listen to me. I have my own meetings. I do my own thing, own, own, own. But I was invited there and that was his house. You got me? So you always yield to whoever is the authority in that house. And you verify. You got me? And you better know what you're doing because you can you can fall flat on your face and you can get up there and you find you have nothing if you're just trying to press to get more to do more. You got me? And so he said yes, and I gave the interpretation. The young man functioned as a minstrel by allowing his fingers to find the keys as God directed him. And this is common with musicians sometimes when they're just playing, you know, practicing or whatever. They'll they'll get involved in just allowing the free flow of the instrument to happen. That's what I call it's a free flow of the anointing of that instrument to happen in that place. And and that's what happened with him. And so these things can can happen to anybody. And you know, in the congregation, um, if you have that often enough, that person can carry that. If God allows that to rest on them, they will carry that. And that's how a lot of times anointings get imparted to other people. You, you see what we say when we say it's more easily caught than taught? He caught that. You got me? He was able to play the way he normally played, but then God picked it up and was able to make a message out of it. And that's how these things happen. And so if we're if we pay attention, folks, if we yield ourselves to God and we expect God to bless you wherever, you know, you don't have to try and figure out where to go for a blessing. God will bless you on the road of obedience somewhere, just doing what he wants you to do. Amen. Sometimes I've had some of the greatest blessing in places and from people that I just wasn't sure. You know what I'm saying? Some folks are real exotic looking sometimes and, and real dangerous acting, you know. But, you know, you can, you can get a blessing sometimes. Uh, in those atmospheres, if you stay open, you're a servant of God. If God sent you somewhere, there's something for you there. I tend to prefer to go sent, not went. Uh, I don't have, I'm, I'm wenting when I want to be healed, but I, I make sure I'm sent if uh, God is opening a door for me. So if it's that sending is the best way to get blessed. So why don't you do your, finish your, your quizzes. God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Now the Lord shows me this about you. You have a love for learning. You have a love for learning. You have a heart that's hungry to grasp knowledge and to grasp understanding of things. And the Lord is saying that, that at times in your teaching, what frustrates you sometimes is that when you don't see a respect and a love for learning, and the Lord says that that's going to change. He's going to help you to find ways to help those and transfer that hunger onto them and that respect for learning, that respect for knowledge, understanding, ability to read, ability. You, you have a high regard for humanity in that you understand capabilities of people that can, can, people can do things and you understand that well. It's like not a problem for you. 
but it gets frustrating when you have to impart that to others. This is a common thing for teachers, but the Lord says he's going to help you with that. And he's going to give you new ways to reach people. And you're going to reach some people who maybe thought they would never be successful. But the Lord said, just stay with him on this. And he's going to uh, give you some keys, give you some abilities, give you some tools that will be easily imparted to people so that they can get that love that you have for learning, says the spirit of the living God. And be frustrated no more because the answer's here. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen.